Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast, where we help you lead your ministry with confidence by providing real life insights from a real lawyer who works every day with churches. That's me, Erika Cole, known as the church attorney. I'm so excited today to be with a special guest. Her name is Dr. Heather Thompson Day. She is an interdenominational speaker and has been a contributor for Religion News Service, Christianity Today, Newsweek, and the Barna Group. She is also the host of Viral Jesus, a podcast with Christianity Today. Heather is an associate professor of communication at Andrews University. She's passionate about supporting women and runs an online community called I'm That Wife, which has over 200,000 followers. Heather's writing has been featured on outlets like the Today Show and the National Communication Association. She's been interviewed by BBC Radio Live and has been featured in Forbes. She believes her calling is to stand in the gaps of our churches for young people. She's the author of seven books, including It's Not Your Turn and Confessions of a Christian Wife. Heather is a wife and mom of three. It's exciting that she and I are both on Christianity Today's podcast network, which is what caused me to reach out to her and invite her to be on today's show. Heather, I'm so glad you said yes. And I'm so glad that we get to talk about social media, the church, and the law. So welcome to the Church Law Podcast, Heather. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I know our listeners are likely already listening to your podcast, Viral Jesus. but That would be wonderful, right? (laughs) Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit what it's about, though? Yeah, so Viral Jesus is really just about being faithful with what is in your hand, right? And everybody has a cell phone in their hand. And what we often don't think about is how you may be the only Christian on someone else's feed. So how do we do our Christianity better online? How do we do our communication better online in a time I think where online communication is getting a really bad rap? I hope we start bringing some positives to the table in the conversation. Well, I'm hoping that happens today. I really love that because that's really my goal. Because of course, from my perspective, there are a myriad of legal considerations yeah. <laughs> and ministries to work through. Right, right. When they're using the various platforms. So I want to help churches use the powerful tool of social media for good and avoid the negative unintended consequences, right? Yes. And you and I saw that so many churches and ministries that maybe never had so much of a social presence. When COVID hit, 
I mean, that was the way communications got out, right? Every church was doing a Facebook Live, an Instagram Live, or whatever they were using to be able to get out there. So here's my question to you. Do you take the position that every church needs to have a presence on social media? Mm, That's a really good question. I think if you can do it well. Mm. (laughs) I think every church should have a presence on social media if you have the ability to do it well. I would hate for a church to be like, oh, let me just put somebody... We just got to slap stuff online. And it's not... They don't understand the medium. They don't understand the audience. And it's not a good representation of the actual congregation that's meeting there. So I think you have to have some wisdom. I want to I will say this because I think this is often misunderstood and I teach social media so I'm kind of biased on it. But social media is actually a job. It's actually a professional development skill. And so I think a lot of times what happens especially with churches is they kind of see social media as like a bulletin board right? Like it's the big bulletin board that we just, we post stuff to so that people know what time we're meeting and that, or I'm just going to post one of my sermon clips and that's the extent to which we use our social media. And I would push back as a social media professor, as somebody who has had relative success on social media and building communities and say, social media is is honestly the first word. It's a place to be social. And so churches, you have to go into it with the mindset of how am I bringing value to this space through this online medium? That should be the first question everybody asks themselves. And then can I do that well? Do I have the tools to do that well? Um, And I think that's how we should move forward. I love that answer. That's so good. I mean, I think it's safe to say that for many of us, social media can be a little intimidating because it is a whole different way of communicating. And I think that delicate balance act, balancing act, as you were suggesting, of being social, of putting yourself out there, right? But also making sure that you don't put yourself too out there. So right. I just want to go through like um, maybe some of the things that churches are using social media for. And okay. you'll probably add to this as well. So Obviously, broadcasting church services, events, sermons. That's probably the bulletin board part that you were talking about. Um, Ultimately, sharing the the word of God, you know, to be able to evangelize, um, to be able to network and connect with their membership, with people who are far away from the physical space, Um, sharing upcoming church events, um, easily sharing photos and videos and news updates. Um, and dare I say, brand awareness, right? So that people right. to associate this church does this kind of work. Like, is that your experience of how churches use social media? Is there anything that you would add or just sort of say, oh, I don't know about that? No, I, I think that is absolutely mm-hmm. how they're using it. And I think um, largely that's why churches are often unsuccessful online because it, certain things, I just think you have to always, communication people think this way, right? We always think, who is my audience? And that changes my message. I think in public speaking, I teach public speaking too, right? In public speaking, you could ask somebody backstage, what are you thinking about before you go on? Go on. And I think most people who aren't trained in communication will say, well, I'm thinking about my message. I'm trying to make sure I know my points. A communication person would say, I'm thinking about my audience. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that is the difference. So when you post online, you, I promise you, 
you will have increased engagement when you stop thinking so much about the message and you start thinking about how do I connect to this audience? And if need be, how do I change my message so that it can connect to this audience? That's what good communicators are really skilled in doing. And I think the problem with online communication is it's so big, right? So even posting a sermon clip, who are you posting it for? Are you posting it for your own church community? Or are you posting it to reach new people that may come to your church online? You have to know the answer to that because that should change the type of clip you would show. I would say there might be sermons people would do that in the context of your church environment works and makes sense and the congregation gets it. And you could post that exact same sermon online and say, what's going on? We're getting all these negative comments or people are sharing it and not for a good reason. You have to think about who you're actually trying to reach as you're creating and posting content. How are you bringing value to that particular target market? No, that's so, so good. That's so, so good. Um, well, it's interesting because when when churches post, as I think you were mentioning you know, earlier, sometimes they may not have engaged a person with a communications background or someone who's necessarily mm-hmm. trained to do this work. Um, sometimes churches just sort of go for the low-hanging fruit of who might be on social media, him or herself, and if they can help out. Can you speak to that? I know for a fact this is what happens because a ton of my students um, often will get tapped to be like the social media intern at the church. Um, And I just think that there's not a ton of consideration, A, about how much time it takes to be a good (laughs) social media person. I'm going to give an example. I I think you have to ask yourself, do we just want a social media manager, which I think is very different, right? That is somebody who's just posting, this is what time church is. I think anybody can do that. Um, This is, here is a clip. That's a social media manager. There's a huge space in social media called social media strategy. And that is an untapped market, I think, for a lot of churches, considering the fact that it's like 80% of Generation Z, when you ask them, why did you buy this product? It's because of something they saw online. 80%. Mm. This generation, it's a big number. This generation trusts um, social media influencers more than they trust athletes and actors and actresses, the the number one person that they trust is the influencer that's on their screen, right? Telling them, hey, I've tried this product. This is good. So the world is really shifting and changing so much so that you're seeing Netflix or different networks actually hiring influencers to do commercials for them instead of maybe a Kim Kardashian or something like that, right? Like a, a well-known actress. There's there's these niche communities under these influencers that are really able to get an entire community behind the product if they endorse it. So I do think churches should start thinking, what's the strategy behind what we're doing? And who's the who do we know that actually can think more marketing brain-wise? How do we use this medium to reach this demographic? And I just think it's so untapped. I think there's so much the church can do online. And that's why I'm excited about Viral Jesus is because we're, we, we try. The goal is that in every single episode, we train people to be better online communicators of the gospel. That is awesome. And obviously so needed. When you talk about that percentage of 80% for Gen Z, I like this is how they identify things. And I must say, you know, I also rely on social media just for 
insights as to what may be current. And I, I might yes. have the energy to then look further into it outside of social media, but it certainly lets you know what's happening on the ground now and to be able to get those messages out. So I'm appreciating what you're sharing there. From a legal standpoint, one of the considerations too is how does your message possibly um, create unintended consequences? And when you have someone who's not well-trained or knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. or maybe uh, who hasn't binge listened to Viral Jesus yet, which hopefully people will do, (laughs) um, but issues like breach of confidentiality. So Mm -hmm. sometimes sharing, you know, it may seem like a prayer request or something that might be innocuous, but the truth of the matter is it may have some legal considerations. And then things like privacy rights, right? So when you're sharing a photo or a video of people, there are certain privacy rights. And if it includes a child, you really heighten the legal considerations tenfold. And I've run into issues where somebody has posted something not so nice. Um, on social media. And so you get into this issue of does it rise to defamation of character or those kinds of issues from a legal standpoint and how we handle those things. So churches, while we, as a part of the strategy, I would hope that there would be a heightened consideration around not just how you connect with people, but making sure that your messaging doesn't cross any lines. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I mean, from a practical standpoint, do you see churches um, maybe using certain platforms more effectively than others, for example? Mm. Yeah. So again, that should depend based on who you're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. So the platforms are really all, they're supposed to be very different from each other. I would say that they are. Um, And so you, and this is one of the things where I say, do as I say, not as I do, because (laughs) I am not always the best person at taking my own advice sometimes. Um, But we know you should not post the exact same content across all your platforms because every platform is like a different conversational room. I saw... this. I won't say what denomination it was affiliated with, but I just saw this happen. And I said, this is this is absolutely because whoever's running their social media account did not take into consideration the room that they're in. They they posted something along the lines of... Tell us you went to our Christian school without telling us you went to our Christian school, right? So I think they were they were using it correctly in the sense that they were like, oh, we're going to be like kind of edgy and funny, and people will come up with funny stuff. Well, they did it on Twitter, which uh-huh. one of the things about Twitter, I think in particular, is that anger will translate way faster than any other emotion, and this is true across all social media. It is so much easier to go viral by posting something angry, right? Sadness is the slowest emotion to be shared. And then happiness, I think would be happiness, awe, those types of things. Laughter is secondary to anger. So what happened was people saw that as an opportunity to dunk on their Christian school experience and say all of these horrible things that I'm not taking away from, right? That probably was their experience that happened. But I thought, oh my goodness, with the social media manager who was just trying to kind of create a conversation without being aware of the community that they're stepping into, that the same thing that maybe you would post on Instagram is not going to go over the same way as it would on Twitter. Twitter is the most educated demographic of all the social media platforms. They tend to be professionals. I would say Twitter is like this social LinkedIn. Uh 
as far as how you would want to use it, as opposed to an Instagram, which tends to be some, I would say like millennials and younger. I think the average age on there is like 18 or something to 25. Whereas you're not going to reach as many Gen Zs on Instagram. Um, It's highly, obviously aesthetic, tends to be more female oriented as opposed to a TikTok, which is very much like this trendy next generation, definitely Gen Z app, you don't want to post the exact same content because a communicator says, my audience is different. Hmm. And the same hit, the same thing I would say when in one room with a particular audience is not going to translate the same way with the next group. So you have to really think about what is this platform designed for? And that will change the type of responses you would get to a post. No, that that that's really, really good, Heather. And I, I also consider this fact. There are many churches and ministries that have a social media presence, but the head of that church could have a whole other large following. A demographic yes. that could be very different from the church. Have you yes. seen that as well? Absolutely. Stephen Furtick, I think, is an excellent example Great of example. somebody whose brand has yes. far exceeded his actual church. People know the church, but everybody knows Stephen Furtick. Yeah, yeah. And again, from a legal standpoint, um, that can have a different impact than maybe from a practical church and ministry standpoint, right? right? Because a well-known person is posting something to what degree does it need to go through the church for any level of approval? And does the, perhaps the board need to see it or approve it or have any say-so and vice versa, right? Um, I see issues where, um, and this is obviously not personal to the pastor that you just mentioned, but I've dealt with issues with with other churches and ministries where perhaps a pastor is no longer there. But who is controlling the social media page? Who's controlling the website? Who's controlling all of the different apps? I mean, that can become a major issue whenever there's any discussion or dispute about what's posted. So I don't Mm. know if you see those issues or, or, or have ever dealt with those, but from a legal standpoint, they're of paramount consideration. Yeah, I... Church is so complicated, right? Because there's all these structures within it. And so what I have seen at churches um, when we talk about social media usage is I think what happens sometimes is because people tend to think, and this actually isn't even true, supported by the data, because all ages are obviously on social media apps, especially since COVID. Um, Facebook in particular has, I mean, in the category of like 60 and up, grew, it was, it it was like over 15% since COVID, right? So more and more older people are now using the same social media apps as their grandchildren. Um, But so I think sometimes what happens is when we think about social media, we only think of the younger generation. Um, And so we can post things that maybe aren't even reflective of the actual congregation that we have. So that's something I see a lot where people feel like, the social media presence is one way that is actually very different than the actual church culture. If you were to walk in, because when they're using social media, they're thinking, well, how do we get the young people to come? And then maybe the young people come and they feel like, hey, this isn't what I saw online, you know? So you have to think about those things. How authentic are we being in the reality of what our congregation looks like? No, that's... (laughs) It's interesting because I can totally see how that would happen, right? You put something out because it's you know, it's hip and happening, but that may not be how your church functions. So just the, if you build it, they will come 
kind of perspective as opposed to building something that's reflective of your actual church or ministry. So that's that's an excellent point. I also just want to mention a couple of other tidbits for churches to consider as they are examining their operations online and as they consider maybe engaging, as you suggested, someone with a social media background who specifically can help with strategy. Employers, uh, the law now says, may use social media to recruit and verify candidates by searching people's Mm. social media profiles. Um, That was a very interesting case that came before the EEOC. And the use of social media, because, you know, they say it's been pervasive. We certainly know that. But Essentially, there were concerns around possible discrimination claims, but the law has said if you have, if you put it out there on social media, it's fair for an employee employer to review. So I just think that as we consider social media from the consumer side, as well as from what churches put out there and how they use the information there, that's important to know. And finally, I just want to make the point that any church that has social media should have a social media policy, period, Mm. point blank, end of discussion, Um, because the lack of a social media policy creates confusion, right? The whole point of the policy is to outline things like how the accounts are to be used, who's to have access to it, establishing the goals, as you mentioned, Heather, of what are we trying to achieve here? What's our strategy and rules and procedures for maintaining and monitoring the accounts? And as I often say, the only thing worse than not having a policy is having a policy you don't follow, right? So it allows people to know what we're going to put out there and and, um, the roles and responsibilities of any administrator of the social media account. So I just want to make sure that churches make that as an important part of their consideration. And we'll try to include some good information in the show notes, as well as a link to your podcast, Viral Jesus. Anything you want to say as we wrap up, Heather? Yeah, I do want to piggyback off of what you said earlier because I love talking about this with my students. It's like 80% of employers will look you up online. And that this would be true for pastors when considering you for employment. And I think what happens, at least with my students, is they say, well, I'll just sh- I'll just delete it or I'll just shut it down while I'm on a job search. And that has been shown to negatively affect people's perception. We want to see a social media footprint. Mm. it makes us feel more comfortable looking into somebody when I can see who's responding and what types of things you're posting. So my advice would be don't shut your stuff down. Just don't, just take ownership, Christian, of your social media. Why are you ever posting? I say this to my students. I will never post something online that I wouldn't put in my faculty break room. If I wouldn't be willing to hang it up in the faculty break room where everybody can see it, because that's what's happening when I post it online. Why am I posting that thinking that this is some private conversation that I'm having between me and just my few followers. Be consistent in who you are both online and off. And I think we can avoid a lot of mishaps. I love that. Yeah, I I repeatedly say, I know that we don't use the www dot, but it stands for the World Wide Web, right? Yes. You have to be mindful that it goes worldwide. So let's, uh, I, I like the phrase of taking ownership. Um, so thank you so much, Heather, for what being an honor. With us. I really enjoyed it. And I want listeners to know that today's episode is sponsored by Take the Next Call, a six-week live course where I help burnout pastors take the next step toward a life of more joy and contentment so that they can truly serve the Lord with gladness. Learn more at takethenextcall.com and feel free to share your comments and questions with me about today's episode. 
I plan to read each of them and maybe I'll get to answer your question on an upcoming episode. Reach me at contact at takethenextcall.com. Subscribe to the Church Law Podcast to get new episodes and join us on this journey. We'll see you in the next one. This podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights. Thank you.